The Steve Austin Show is brought to you free today in part by our friends at GEICO. Go to GEICO.com and in 15 minutes, you could be saving 15% or more on car insurance. That's right. Save hundreds of dollars on car insurance at GEICO.com. Extra money in your pocket? It may just be the most rewarding thing you do today. The following program is a PodcastOne.com production. He started in a small town in Texas. Worked his ass off to become one of the most famous wrestlers of all time. We're going to take care of business tonight, and that's the bottom line. And now he's dominating the world of on-demand audio, and he's doing it for the working man. This is a damn good outlet for me to spew the bullshit off my brain. This is Steve Austin Unleashed. All right, everybody, welcome to Steve Austin Show. I am currently out on vacation recharging batteries, but just because I'm recharging the batteries, we still got business to take care of. In the meantime, we'll be playing some of the most requested Steve Austin Show classics that have been locked away in the archives. I got a great one for you this week, and here's my producer, Sean, to tell you all about it. All right, welcome to another classic episode of the Steve Austin Show. It's producer Sean bringing you episode 204. With MMA great Boss Rutan, original air date March 19th, 2015. And I think this is one of the rare episodes that was recorded at the Podcast One Studios in Beverly Hills. So this is definitely a rarity amongst Steve's catalogs. Of course, Boss Rutan, as I said, MMA great, former UFC heavyweight champion, three times the king of Pancrase, also professional wrestler. Color commentator, actor, a UFC Hall of Famer, he has done it all, and a liver shot specialist. You'll learn more about that during the interview. And Boss Rutten, one of the most charismatic guys out there. Uh, if you get a chance on YouTube, check out Boss Rutten Cartoon Network, and there should be a supercut up there of these vignettes that boss was doing for cartoon network where he would encourage kids to get up and do exercises and wash their hands and stuff and it's awesome stuff it's awesome stuff so if you can find that on youtube you definitely uh, will not be disappointed and check this out boss rootin made a video game appearance in wcw versus the world for playstation one i did not know that as a person who has played wrestling video games his entire life, I was not aware of that. But I did not have a PS1 at the time. I do have the game now, but I've never actually played it. And turns out he was uh, known as Thunderdome in WCW vs. the World. I was a WCW versus NWO World Tour guy, so I had Saladin and Alibaba and Joe Boxer. Joe Bruiser. It's Joe Bruiser, right? Yeah, I should know that. Anyway, Stephen Boss, they talk about Boss's MMA career, talk about Boss's intense training regimen, wait to hear about some of the stuff he does on the treadmill. Also, uh, Boss's friendship with the smashing machine, Mark Kerr, as well as both Boss and Steve have a bald head, if you didn't realize that. So they do spend a part of the interview talking about that. So good stuff coming up. Right now, though, it's time for This Day in Steve Austin History, today being January 24th. This was a big day for all you Attitude Era fans because today, on January 24th, 1999, in Anaheim, California, was the Royal Rumble 1999. A very chaotic and classic rumble, as I remember it. This was the rumble where Mr. McMahon said that Steve had no chance in hell of winning the Royal Rumble, and he was right. Steve entered at number one and was eliminated as number 30 in the Rumble by Mr. McMahon. That's your day in Steve Austin history. Coming up after the break, we've got Boss Rutten on a classic episode of the Steve Austin Show. Guys can be terrible at taking care of their health, whether it's a knee injury, bad back, or something worse. 
guys are usually more comfortable rubbing some dirt on it than seeing a doctor. The same is true for erectile dysfunction. Studies show 70% of guys who experience ED don't get treated for it. Thankfully, our friends at Roman are here to help. Roman is a one-stop shop for diagnosing, treating ED online, and getting yourself in check. Roman offers a quick and easy online questionnaire, which is then reviewed by Roman's network of U.S. licensed physicians. If appropriate, they'll prescribe FDA-approved brand-name medication that ships directly to your door. No awkward conversations. No waiting rooms, no inconvenient trips to the pharmacy. Just for listeners of the Steve Austin Show, go to GetRoman.com slash Austin for a free online visit. This covers the opportunity to talk with a doctor and finding out what will work for you when it comes to overcoming ED. It is definitely worth your time. Again, that's GetRoman.com slash Austin for your free online medical visit. Check it out. This, this is Steve Austin Unleashed. All right, here we go. Sit here with former UFC uh, champion Boss Rudin, uh, former three-time Pancras. Was it King of Pancras? King of Pancras. King, King, yep. King of Pancras champion and mixed martial arts uh, legendary uh, cat. Dude, welcome to the show. It's good to see you again. Good I've been a big you. fan for a long time. I just got a chance to meet you the other day doing your show. And it's so cool. It's so cool because, you know, I've been a big fan of yours, you know. So uh, it's it's always good to hear that it's the other way around. Also, you never expect that. Yeah, but it's from uh, were you ever really a fan of pro wrestling? Now in Holland we don't have it, right? You know, so when I came here, but when I once I saw all the theatrics and and and, and I was one of the first guys because they said, yeah, but it's not real. I said, but like I said on the show last Friday, the falls are real, the right. hits you're taking are real, and the things are going wrong, and you're doing it so many times a year. You know, it's like we fight. Well, I had a really busy schedule. I fought like 28 fights in four years, so for me that was right. that was a lot. But <laughs> what you was 220? Yeah. So, well. Well, yeah, I mean, the volume of our shows on, on the road is much greater. But, man, between fights, you guys are going like crazy with the training camp. That's true. All the injuries happen in the training. That's most of the time. The only time when, when, when I get injured during fights, well, that was actually pro wrestling. That I got to hurt. Uh, there I got hurt the most. Yeah. You know, it was interesting. I was watching a uh, um, uh, man videos on you, reading about you. And, of course, I've watched you for years. But then, uh, you know, I, I got a chance to see. I, I never knew back in the, the formative years, you know, I was sitting looking across from you. You and I are almost identical age. We're both 50. Mm-hmm. Good-looking cat. Yeah. But here's the thing. I didn't know you used to have a full head of hair, and you were a model uh-huh. and very successful. Yeah, it was uh... – well, you know, I worked like three, four days a week. It wasn't at that time. Yeah. I made good money. I yeah. made $1,500 a day. I was 20 years old. That's unbelievable. It was, it was unbelievable. It was, what happened was, was these, these three ladies, they started a new model agency, and they came from a big one. They wanted to do it themselves, and it was just at the time when they went away from the feminine-looking guys. Right. They wanted to go to the real, the tough guys, and I walked in there, and they loved me, all these three uh, ladies, and they just sent me out for work. But it's funny because you know, seeing some of the stuff that you're doing, you know, with hair, good-looking kid, but then you had a bad hair day one day, and you're in there with a purple blow dryer, yep. and you said, man, it's too much, fuck this, I'm going to shave clean. Yep. And you told, I think it was before you had married your wife, yep. and you said, I'm going to shave it all off, and she didn't believe you. Yep. You went to the barbershop. Yeah, what happened? You know what? It's, it's, was it that bad of a hair day, boss? It was a bad hair day, you know. And I couldn't step because I had contact lenses as well. Yeah. So and then once the with and I start messing with gel, which I never did, and I shouldn't have done it. Got him a contact, and I'm getting aggravated. And it was the hard contacts yes. at that time, but there was there were no soft ones. So I said, ah, the eyes hurting, and I go and I suddenly I take this blow dryer and I see myself with the blow dryer in the mirror, and I go, this is not cool, you know. 
this is stupid. I'm going to sh- uh, cut it off. Um, yeah, I told my wife I went to the barber store because I, w- I wanted to tell two stories at the same time. Uh, I have this new poster right now, and that new poster is a badass poster. It, uh, it does 1,380 pictures make that poster. Right. And there's actually a picture on there, a little tiny picture, where you see me for the first time. What I did, I said, cut it off, leave a mohawk in the middle, right. make a picture, and then shave it all off. And gotcha. that picture I put on that poster as well. So uh, when you got the, the the shave job, I mean, you looked at yourself in the mirror. I mean, were you were you happy with what you saw? And then did the modeling career continue with being a good-looking kid but with the dome? Yeah, the, 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 the modeling was already uh, stopped because I, start, I started competing in Thai boxing, so I sh- showed up at the Shiners, you know, and they didn't really like that. Um, by the way, I saw you with long, luscious hair as well. I, I'm, I'm just throwing it out there. But see, here's the thing. <laughs> you know, I was watching your story, like, here's this good-looking young athlete, you know, and he's a model and he's dependent on his hair. And of course, you know, way yeah. back in the day of pro wrestling, you know, you had, it was like the old hair bands. Yeah. So like you had to have long hair to be a successful pro wrestler. So, you know, I started losing mine and I was in, living in Atlanta, Georgia. And I called my buddy up and I said, Hey man, I'm losing my hair. What do you think I should do? He goes, well, fuck, I don't know. He's just a dumbass pro wrestler too. Right. Yeah. And so I went to the hair club for man and they talking about the plugs and everything <laughs> like that. I've told the story many times, so I won't go into it, but I said, fuck you. I ain't doing the plugs. Yeah. Homie, don't play that shit. <laughs> so anyway, all these years later, it turned out that, you know, of course, it ended up when I would get my best look. And But you did it, you know, because you just got tired of fucking with your hair. Yeah. Here's the interesting thing about sitting across from you is people always ask me, and they see me in pictures these days, they say, man, what the fuck happened to your eyebrows? Do you shave your eyebrows? No, I don't shave my fucking eyebrows. I'm like an albino. You can barely see them, right, boss? Yeah, yeah, I can't. Yeah, but see, like, you got vivid eyebrows. And so, (laughs) like, every now and then, I'll go into a gig, and because I'm so used to seeing myself without them, they'll paint them on. And all of a sudden, I got a big pair of brown, bushy eyebrows. I look like Mr. Potato Head. So, that's like, now, when I go do a gig, I'll say, don't mess with eyebrows. People are used to seeing me like this. Yeah, but I wouldn't, you know? And what, what did you have, the same as me? When I shaved my head, it was total freedom. Oh, yeah. For me, like going in the shower and just use the soap yeah. for your head instead of shampoo and going in the uh, swimming pool, coming out, like, oh, no messing with the hair. I well, love The big it. thing about me was my hair was a real fine blow-away hair. And so it tangled like a bitch when you wrestled. Now, it was beautiful. Now, when I was a kid, I grew up in South Texas, boss, and we would always go to uh, the drugstore and get, like, a fountain Coke. This is way back, you know, when dinosaurs were still roaming the earth yeah. in a small town in South Texas. And, you know, the old ladies would be in there getting their drugs or whatever. And they say, they comment. And I was probably a 10-year-old kid. and said, oh, your hair is beautiful. Do you bleach it or dye it, whatever you do to it? And I said, no, it's just my natural hair color. So it was absolutely beautiful hair. But it was so fine that when I wrestled people, man, trying to comb through the tangles and the gnats. And then if, you got your, if you're riding with the hair down, you know, you finally get your driver's license. You're trying to cruise and, you know, pick up some women with, the, with driving the, the, the 71 Formula Firebird. And we try to comb that shit later. And then, see, I started messing with the uh, the hair gel, too. Real light stuff, because mine would get really fucked up, flock of seagulls looking. So it just wasn't, it wasn't good for me, but it ended up being my best look. Yeah. So now, with your trademark look, and you've had this forever now. Yeah. Uh, so what's what's the routine? Because I've, you're pretty unkempt right now. Yeah, I do. I do. I leave it like this. The beard, this I did uh, yesterday. I leave it to this size. I like it at this size. You just got a, a different attachment on your gimmick. Yeah. yeah, and then I do it, and I do it one twice a week. 
Yeah. I, I'm not really into constantly doing that. Just twice a week, that's enough for me. Now, now, who would ever figure that legitimately one of the toughest human beings on the planet and the toughest SOB in the WWF will be sitting here talking about grooming and bullshit like that? How was that? And you were with your blonde, luscious hair. What was the mindset of uh, yourself before you went into a fight? You see, uh, and, and speaking right now, and uh, I watch all the UFC pay-per-views. I'm just, I'm a huge fan. So you see the guys uh, go do the stare down, you know, the stare down, you yep. know, whatever, the touch gloves. Were you ever into the psyching out stuff? I mean, a lot of guys just mad dog like crazy. Mm-hmm. Some just have that stare. Quentin Jackson had his thing. And some guys are just emotionless. You always just look like surprised. Extremely confident and very calm. Yep. It's, it's, that's the whole trick. It's uh, The trick in everything is staying calm. And I know that if I do the stare down, I'll stand in front of him, and I actually look at their bellies. And many times I see their bellies shake from the nerves. And then I look at my own belly, and I go, I got you. You know? I, I knew uh, for many times. That's a tail fight, for you. Yeah. I already knew I was going to win. Mm-hmm. And I my, my second fight, actually, because I knocked the first guy, I knocked him out in Japan, and he was already the number four or five guy. And he went to uh, the hospital. It was two days in the hospital. Right. He was gone, this guy, right? So then the second guy comes in, and he had this long hair. And I'm looking at, uh, just I look at his belt. I see he's nervous, but now I hear the audience go, ooh. So I know he's staring me down. Right. right? So I'm looking, suddenly I look up in his eyes, and I go, Rrr. you know, and he gets so scared. You see him go, suddenly he looks down and the referee is patting us down and he looks up and I remember him saying it's no street fight Mr. Ruther, no street fight <laughs> it was the craziest thing but uh, I had to do that you know because I felt it was insecure since I saw right. him go so I called his bluff you know and I saw right away the sport so you rattled him yep <laughs> and that fight almost almost I almost lost that fight because I uh, I was very sick I came up I had to throw up my, my, my manager had to carry my luggage it was horrible I felt so bad in that fight and there was this moment that he wants to has me in an arm bar and there were rope escapes in, in, in Japan so right. like when I would pull him to the rope I touch he had to let go but it would count the same as an eight count so to say and uh, and I'm just I'm just ready to tap until I hear the audience for him cheering and I go nah that's not gonna happen and instead of touching the rope right next to me I drag him to the entire ring to the other rope I, right. I just had a tunnel vision I touched the rope and I was so tired I remember and then when I got him in the clinch I saw his breathing and I see him go breathing in and as soon as he was breathing in again I nailed the knee in there because right. that's where the, the stomach is the weakest man he went down like crazy and then I won that fight that was the, the moment deciding moment for me I said I will never quit again or thinking about quitting because I flipped it around a minute later right you fell in love with the liver shot taking a, a Thai boxing class because you were dropped with one yeah and was that the holy grail or the come to Jesus like, hey, man, when you get here, it fucking hurts. Oh. And I'm going to specialize in this because it was you that pretty much termed the liver shot. Correct? Yeah. 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 It's like I'm, I'm laughing. So what happened? It's just uh, Osman was his name. He was an A-class fighter. I came in as a beginner, but I was a black belt in karate. I was yeah. the baddest kid in our karate gym. But in Thai boxing, that didn't mean anything. Yeah. You know, and suddenly punches to the face are coming flying at you. So what you do, you overcommit to defending those punches. So my hands went all the way up. And of course, exposing my body. And this guy was so good, he dropped me right away with liver. Right. I could not speak for like a minute. I'm just sitting there. And he goes, Sorry, dude, you know, he's a very nice guy. I said, oh, What is that? I said, How is that? He says, A liver behind it, you know, you shook that up, it really hurts. 
and it, it always stayed with me. And then, um, who was really good as well, that's a good friend of mine who passed away, Roman Deggers. He, he was the best eye boxer ever. About, yeah. about, and he dropped a lot of people with body shots too. And since now, he was my idol as well. Right. You know, I, I really start focusing on the body shots. And then suddenly in Pancras, it started happening. Boom, 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 everybody. You were, we were doing your show uh, the other day in downtown LA, and I was asking you about the liver shot. And so you, you basically gave me a, a baby, you know, just yeah. kind of poked your head into my liver there a little bit. Yeah. So it, it's obviously, how long does it take you to recover from something like that? You know, and it, can you, in a fight, to regain regain your composure and your physicality and, and carry on? So, some guys do. Some guys uh, do. And they can, they can, like with Jason DeLucia, when I fought him, I literally split his liver. He was being yeah. blood. He had to go to the hospital. But I dropped him three times. And the first shot, when you see me dropping him, it's a hard shot. I feel it, right. you know, but he gets through right. it, and if I get it a second time, and then the last one I remember, I fully go for the body, and it felt like I didn't touch anything, and in slow motion, when you see it, you see it just, it, he was breathing in, right? and the muscles were relaxed. I just slid through the hole, you know, I could almost touch his spine, so to say, right. and that's the moment you want to have. I always tell people you can do 5,000 sit-ups a day. If they hit you at the moment you're breathing in, you're going down. Right. I was talking to uh, a mutual friend of ours, Paul Azenby, because yeah. I, I was talking to him uh, way back in, the, in, back in the day, and, and you were around, <coughs> But for a while, you know, when uh, Gracie started uh, submitting a lot of people, you know, a lot of times a guy would tap, but then he'd jump up and he'd say, I didn't tap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, and so then they really started cinching those holes in and hanging on longer. But you, uh, at one time, had Kevin Randleman, what is it, an arm bar. Yeah. And instead of finishing it, what, what he got out, what happened? No, it was, I just went for it, but I didn't. But it's something that always it. stuck with you. Yeah, it stuck with me because I go, like, I would have had that, I thought. But for some reason, I didn't want to snap it. I don't want right. to, I, and it was, you know, with me, it's, um, I'm a weird guy. Um, like, when people know, and some people knew before the fight that I was injured and that I think, and then when I would do a submission and I overcommit to the submission, they will all say, oh, he did that because. He was, and that goes through my head. So right. I kind of—it's stupid. I should have just gone for it, right? You know. But hey, it—it uh, it didn't happen. <laughs> so every time when I see it, I, I was still cringing my toes. If, I, if somebody sends me the fight or something, oh god! You if know? you go back, I mean, when I watch some of my old pro wrestling matches, I hate to do it because I always think, God, well, why did you do this? That looks like shit. You should have done this. Yep. So when you go back and watch some of your fights, are you like, uh, how are you at watching yourself? Are you like, oh man, I was pretty fucking good, or? Hey, maybe I would have done this now, or hey, that was good, good execution, good technique. Uh, it's for me. It's such a clear thing. Like I, I have no clue when like, some guys they come to me uh, after a fight, and then uh, I say, "Man, great spinning back kick, man to the head." And he looks at me and goes, "Like, did I throw a bit spinning back kick?" And for me, that is. I, that's unbelievable. Like, I would remember when I would watch the fight for the first time, I could literally say, okay, watch, he's going to throw this, I'm going to counter with this. Right. He's going to do this, I'm going to counter with this. I would just be there. Right. I felt that. I fought the fight. I know what I did. Right. So, uh, yeah, I, I, when I see it, I'm always, I'm always happy about that. It's a real weird feeling that I'm in and a very comfortable, I'm in a zone and, you know, I hear everybody, here's corner, that's where I tune into to see what they say to him. You know, I just feel very comfortable. And, and, and if you would have little nurse in the dressing room, that was the only thing I would focus on. 
I say, you know, as soon as it goes, ding, it's gone. You know, it's gone. And it's really weird. And Did you I, have nerves in the dressing room? In the beginning, you have, you know, and, uh, because it's, it's, it's only, only natural. And I, I read also somebody, like even Roosevelt would say, you know, you, you need them. Because if you don't, you're too relaxed. The one fight that I had no nerves whatsoever, and that they literally had to call to me and say, hey, you got to get into your fighting uh, outfit because your fight is the next fight, you know. That was right. against Ken Sher- the, the one I lost last one. I was so confident going into that fight. I had zero nothing, and then and I always thought about that later. I said that was that was the wrong thing. I, I was so comfortable I was going to win this fight, and I didn't. Now, growing up in Holland, you were on track and field. What <clears throat> events did you participate in? Uh, decathlon, you know, believe it or not, oh, Bruce, Bruce Jenner. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, who would figure back in the day, because you're old enough to know, man, back in 76, Bruce Jenner was oh. the shit, the greatest athlete in the world. I had a book, the Olympics, with him shit. jumping over the Fosbury. Good-looking guy, coming yeah. to meet his box, and yeah. now, yeah. Uh, but he let's talk about him then. So, but he, yeah, he, he, the, but, yeah. yeah, he was it. He was the gold medalist. I wanted to be, wow, what a cool thing if you know everything. And I was good at everything. Of course, the asthma was a little less, of course, for my running. 400 meter, 800, that, those, those I could do. because that's What kind of 400 meter time could you crank out? In 400 meter? 60 second? Sub 60? Yeah, no, I think... Because uh, we, we were in... Well, 61. you guys were probably metric. We were probably still in yards. Yeah, 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 real yeah. metric. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So and and the sprint was eleven two the hundred. What was but, your? But no, there was I didn't focus on those yet, you know. Pole vault. I just started with pole vault. What'd you, uh, what'd you clear on the pole vault? Oh, no, no, uh, three meters, twenty centimeters, which is at ten feet, ten feet at eleven feet. But uh, that's like I just started with it, and then my injuries later in life. I stopped my injuries because I had uh, tendonitis, and I realized I would have it after. Javelin. Javelin. I would have tendonitis already. And my knees were also with high jump. I literally had to start at like, say, uh, six feet. That was right. my first jump. Because I had only four jumps, and then my knees would be so much in pain, I couldn't do anything anymore for two weeks. And it was the same with my arms. Shot put was good. Discus was good. My long jump was good. Uh, high jump was good. I love the discus throw. Was, uh, and, you know, when I first started track, you know, I had some pretty good endurance back in the day. So I figured, man, I'll be like a long distance runner. Well, the dude was over, uh, his name was Russell Bitters. His dad was a veterinarian in town, and he was huffing and puffing and throwing the discus. I said, well, fuck, man, let me try that. Yeah. So I wound up, well, I didn't wind up. I didn't have a lineup yet, so I just pressed one from the front end of the ring, and I outthrew him. So I turned into a discus thrower. So, man, I got out there, and you know, finally I, I started learning my spin technique and you know, throw the shit out of there, and it ended up being a lot of fun for me. Uh, but how would uh, your asthma come into play with all the running, dude? Because yep. if you were so fragile as a, as a young child, yep. here you are in your, your high school years, right? Yep. How did you work with asthma? Would it come and go? Was it constant? Because I've never had it. It would come and go. It was every time when I would be close to a horse or any any animal with hair, I uh, would get asthma. So I had to really watch out where I was going. And, uh, yeah, the lungs would close. Nowadays, you know, before the fights, I would literally uh, go hard in the dressing room. My lungs would close. i spray them open, and then you can go for hours. But you didn't have that kind of medication in my time. I remember it was a thing. You had to press the button, and the capsule got punctured. And then on a little wheel, you know, and then when you breathe in, the wheel starts spinning, and that's the way you got it into your lungs. But it didn't really work like that. Nowadays, you know, you spray, and and you're, you're good to go. I had one episode one time when I did some fire spitting with oil. <laughs> I ended up in the hospital with asthma. And they literally had to shoot me up in order to open my lungs. The, the inhaler right. didn't work anymore. But I think I was breathing in the oil. Maybe that right. really messed with my lungs. 